unlocking true happiness with venerable Tenzin Choki. Welcome to Unlocking True Happiness. I'm Venerable Tenzin Choki, a monastic practicing in the Tibetan tradition. Each episode of Unlocking True Happiness will explore the Buddhist teachings as they're applied in our daily lives to deepen our experience of genuine well-being. Topics combine ideas from Buddhism with those from the fields of positive psychology, Western philosophy, and current events. So the last couple of episodes, I've been talking a lot about connection and relationship because that seems to be a lot of what is coming up for people these days. I know in the United States, we're in different places in different countries, but here in the United States, in most places, we're starting to kind of emerge from the 15 months of COVID starting to open up a little bit. And people are struggling a little bit with reconnecting with others. Like, how do I hang out with people again? You know, after 15 months of mostly kind of staying to ourselves or maybe having a small pod of people that we associated with. And a lot of people have said, oh, it's kind of awkward now to kind of connect with people and talk to people. Some people have also said, you know, I feel like some of my friendships didn't really survive. Some people sadly lost their intimate partners during COVID. Some marriages didn't survive. Some partnerships didn't really survive. So we're all kind of navigating this territory of relationship right now. And I wanted to draw on uh, some work by a cultural thinker and writer and philosopher who said that we can learn a lot by looking at the six Greek words for love and different kinds of relationship in our life. A lot of people I know these days are struggling a lot with loneliness. And sometimes people feel that if they don't have an intimate partner, that they feel lonely, right? Especially, I think, I mean, I don't know if it's American culture or just modern culture in general. We put a lot of emphasis on an intimate partner, on romantic relationships. We put a lot of emphasis on Sometimes I think, you know, getting all of our needs met through kind of one person who's supposed to be our intimate partner and our best friend, you know, and our confidant and our soulmate and all of that, all of that stuff. And this is something that this philosopher, his name is Roman Krishnarik. So what he says is, you know, if we can think of different kinds of love, we might see that we have some richness in our lives, or we might be able to really kind of prioritize some of the other kinds of relationships that we have in our lives and not just place so much emphasis on, you know, the romantic kind of love. And he says, you know, it's kind of weird, actually, that in English, especially, I think other languages have more words for this kind of relationship. But he says that we use the same word for 
you know, an intimate candlelit dinner with our romantic partner where we say, I love you to like signing an email, lots of love. Like we're using the same word for both of these things. And he said, we're much more nuanced in ordering a cup of coffee. We have way more words for coffee drinks than we do for kinds of relationships and this kind of love in our lives, right? We, you know, your double macchiato with caramel whipped cream on top, flat white, Americano, cappuccino, you know, of course, most of those words come from Italian, but still, we've got so many much more vocabulary for coffee drinks than we do for love. In English, we just use this, this one word for all of these different relationships. And so what he does, he's written this great book, and I'll put this in the, in the chat too. How should we live? Great ideas from the past for everyday life. Really recommend this book. It's really an amazing book with all of these topics. He's actually one of the founders of a place called the School of Life in London, which has all of these amazing workshops and things. And so he says, you know, we might be able to learn something from the Greeks that had six different words for different nuance and different kinds of relationships. So I want to look at these six Greek words for relationship. And then we'll kind of look at what might be missing in our lives, what we might like to bring some more attention to, what we might be prioritizing over some of the others and get some insight into love. And so he says the first kind of love, you know, which is one that we really uh, idealize, I think, in modern culture is eros. The Greeks called it eros, sexual passion and desire, right? So this is kind of the first wave of romantic love. This is like falling in love. Sometimes we talk about falling madly in love. And even though this is idealized, you know, every Hollywood movie or 97 and a half percent of Hollywood movies are about this type of love, this kind of passion and desire. And we might think we want it in our lives. And he says, the Greeks actually thought it was kind of dangerous and that we could get really out of control with this one. They didn't always see it as a positive thing to be sought after because it could be a little bit dangerous and out of control. And we might have done, many of us when we were younger, I haven't done anything dangerous in terms of this brand of love in many decades, but I certainly have memory of maybe not making the best decisions, right, under the control of this kind of love. So this is one of them. And then the next one is philia, deep comradely friendship. And so he says, this is really the kind of love that you have for a good friend that you're loyal to, that you're there for them in the good times and the bad times, right? You have this trust, you have an emotional intimacy, you really share things deeply with them with that level of trust. And so he said this kind was actually prized by the Greeks a lot more than Eros. And I think when we have good friends like this, and he kind of makes a joke in his article and he says, these aren't your friends on Facebook, even though I think Facebook got a little bit more nuanced and now has a couple of different choices. But, you know, you have 800 friends on Facebook. They're probably not philia friends. Like this is your very inner circle of really trusted 
close friends that support you, that you support them in that kind of trusting relationship with a lot of emotional intimacy. He said, also sometimes considered under this category and sometimes called by another word, storge, is the love between parents and children. So he said, you know, that kind of family love and also the that deep comradely <clears throat> friendship between friends. And then the next kind, and this is a really interesting you know, that this is a completely separate category, ludus, and he calls this a playful affection between children, good friends, young lovers. So this can involve flirting, it can involve banter and teasing. And so, you know, when you're with a group of friends and you really trust each other, you're kind of joking around, you're laughing, you're teasing each other. And that depends on a certain level of trust also. There's this kind of famous friendship between His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Bishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa. Some of you might have seen this book they did together called The Book of Joy. It was conversations between the two of them. They're both Nobel Peace Prize winners. And apparently back before COVID, periodically there would be these gatherings of Nobel Peace Prize winners. And whenever they would see each other, they would like run at each other across the room, hold hands and sit in the corner giggling. Like apparently this was the thing that they would do. And I saw some of the footage of the, there's a film coming out soon of some of the footage of the conversations that they had when they were actually having the conversations that were made into the book of joy. And at one point, you know, they're always teasing each other, just always this back and forth teasing. And I think Bishop Desmond Tutu is like two years younger than His Holiness the Dalai Lama, like he's 83 and His Holiness is 86. So he's always saying, oh, you're an old man, like you don't remember anything, you're just so old, you know, this kind of teasing. And then the reporter asked Bishop Desmond Tutu at one point, wow, it seems like you tease him a lot and you say these things. And then he said, oh, it's only when you really trust each other that you can do that. You know, he said that kind of teasing of a good friend is based on really deep trust. So I thought that was really beautiful. And it's that playful kind of bantering and teasing back and forth. And the Greeks would call that ludus. And then the next one, agape, selfless love extended to all people. And so this is the kind that's found in Buddhism. It's found in other religious traditions too. So this one says, it doesn't really matter your relationship. This is the kind of unconditional selfless love that we're trying to extend to all beings. Agape is the Greek word and the Latin word is caritas, which got sort of morphed into English as charity. And so this is a word that's found a lot in translations of the Bible. Sometimes these days, the English word charity to us means something more like giving people things, right? Like you practice charity with somebody who's, you know, at the food bank or something like that. But it really refers to this kind of love, this self selfless love of extending yourself unconditionally to others. So agape or selfless love. 
And so this is like the, the idea of metta or loving kindness in Buddhism. So we say when we talk about the four immeasurables in Buddhism, we talk about unconditional loving kindness. So this would be the same kind of idea. And we say in Buddhism that this is not something that you either have or you don't have. It's something that you can actually develop and generate. So we have this maybe towards some people close to us. And this is one of the things in our meditation practice that we sort of take advantage of this ability of the mind to extend, you know, an emotion we have maybe for a small number of people towards others. The next one, the next type of love, pragma or mature love. And he describes this as a deep understanding that develops with long married couples. So this is really interesting, very specific. He says, you've been in a relationship for a really long time. Maybe the sexual passion has faded a little bit, but what has substituted it is this, you know, real deep care, depending on you know, trust, forgiveness, tolerance, patience, understanding. And it's the kind of love when people say when they've been married for like 40 or 50 years, oh, I'm still madly in love with my spouse. It's probably this kind, this pragma or mature love that they're talking about. And I think when love in an intimate relationship survives, maybe the first six months, year, two years, it starts maybe going in this direction of this mature love, deep understanding. And then the last of the six types of love, falausia or self-love. And he says there are two kinds of this self-love. There's one that's like a narcissism, a self-absorption, right? And then the other kind is a healthy care and confidence, which can actually lead to more ability to care for others. And this is what we would call self-compassion or self-kindness in Buddhism. When we do compassion training, when we do loving kindness meditation, we always say that we don't leave ourselves out of the equation. We always try to develop also the same kind of loving kindness and compassion for ourselves that we do for others. So the agape and the falaushia are the two kinds of love that we really find in Buddhist practice, in loving kindness and compassion practice. But I think it's interesting to look at all of these different nuances of love. We might feel that we don't have an intimate partner, so maybe we don't have eros or pragma, but we might be overlooking some of these other types of love. We may be overlooking those good friends that maybe we haven't spend as much time nurturing those kind of relationships. So maybe that's what we need. Or maybe we feel that we need more playfulness in our lives. I was thinking about that the other day in terms of myself. And I said, you know, I really have work that I feel is meaningful. So many projects that I feel benefit others. I have deep friendships but maybe I need a little bit more play in my life. Maybe I need to kind of relax and play and goof off a little bit more. Maybe I need to prioritize that in addition to the deep, serious conversations that I have with my wonderful friends, maybe a little bit more playfulness, you know, and then we might feel that we don't have as much care 
for ourselves, we're not showing as much compassion and kindness and care for ourselves. So that's why I love this list. It's a way that we can kind of try to balance out for ourselves these different types of love, especially if we just feel like something is missing. We feel that sense of loneliness. We feel a sense of isolation, looking at different ways that our love and affection can manifest. One sad thing, and I I read this a while ago, and I'm not sure you know, recent data might be different, definitely after COVID. I think it was in the United States, there was a study a number of years ago that said something like 25%, and I think it was Americans, said they didn't even have one person that was a really intimate, close friend that they could talk about their feelings. 25% didn't have philia with even one other person. And I found that just shocking. I mean, no wonder there's an epidemic of loneliness that people, and it may be that people have been, you know, emphasizing trying to find a romantic partner or a soulmate and not really putting as much energy into the other kinds of friendships. So just settling into a comfortable yet alert posture relaxing your body, sweeping your awareness through, seeing if there's any tightness or tension, just deliberately relaxing. And then after settling the body, just settle with the breath for a few moments, just to get yourself back into this space, into the present moment. So just bringing your attention back to your breath when it wanders to another object. And so reflecting on these six types of love, bringing attention to which ones you feel you have in your life, which ones maybe you don't have, what the balance between these six types is. So the first kind of love that we talked about is eros, and that's that sexual passion and desire falling in love, being madly in love, or some of the phrases that we use in English. So I think everybody has had this at some point. You may have this in your life right now. Just reflecting on that style of love, that type of love, and when has that been alive for you in your life? And what did that feel like? when you experience that type of love. And then the next type of love, philia, and this is this deep 
friendship. This is showing loyalty to your friends, maybe even sacrificing things, being there for them in times of need, the good times as well as the bad times, sharing your emotions with them. So thinking of this type of that deep, intimate friendship And how many relationships like this do you feel you have in your life? And this may be where we separate out our friends from our acquaintances or even our best friends from other more casual friendships, but the people you really share with intimately And looking not only at receiving that type of friendship from others, but also how much do you extend that to others? How much are you an object of trust to others, an object of empathy and emotional connection to others? And as you reflect on this type of love, you might find that you have these relationships in your life and you might choose to maybe put more attention, more energy into these types of relationships, maybe prioritize these more. So reflecting on how much you value this type of relationship as well. And then the next type of love, this ludus, this playful love, and it can include flirting and teasing. It can include bantering, like when you're hanging out with your friends, just bantering and laughing with friends. So this playful quality, and this may overlap with philia. It may be that you also have ludus with some of these really close friends. It's the kind of trust that you have when you can really play and tease with someone and it just increases the sense of connection. So think about how much you have this type of relationship in your life, both receiving it and extending it to others.
And then some of you may have been in long-term relationships and so have the experience of pragma, this mature love, this deep understanding between partnered couples, making compromises to help the relationship work. The psychoanalyst Eric Fromm said, we expend too much energy on falling in love and need to learn how to stand in love. And so you might have a relationship like this and you recognize the kind of trust, sacrifice, tolerance, maybe forgiveness that comes from this closeness that's lasted for the long term. And then philousia or self-love. And again, this doesn't mean narcissistic self-absorption, but this means just a healthy version of caring for yourself, having kindness towards yourself, having compassion towards yourself. And we say that if we have this kind of love towards ourselves, it actually enhances our wider capacity to love. This is an idea of what we would call self-kindness and self-compassion in Buddhist practice, just friendly feelings for ourselves. So do you feel you have that in your life? And then finally, that kind of love that the Greeks called agape, or we would call metta in Buddhism, and that's that unconditional love extended to all beings, whether they're family and friends or not. This is just on the basis of recognizing that common humanity, that we extend that same care and kindness to people, no matter what the relationship. So this may be something that you're working on in your spiritual practice. It may be something you hold as an ideal, just checking that kind of love and where that shows up in your life, that selfless, unconditional love, agape, metta, We say we can develop that by 
thinking of the natural love and care that we feel for a loved one and then expanding that out to other objects. So let's just try to drop into that practice for a few moments. First, visualizing, thinking of a loved one. It may be somebody that you just thought of in terms of philia, that deep comradely friendship. Turning your mind to that person, visualizing them seated in front of you or getting a felt sense of their presence. You might feel your heart opening, some warmth in your chest as you think of that person. And then let's try and expand that feeling first, just to everybody in this call, everybody in the Zoom call today, just thinking everyone here on this call, whether you know them or not, a human being just like your beloved friend, just like you, wishing for happiness, wishing to be free from suffering, sometimes feeling disappointment, sadness, often feeling joy and connection and love as well. Just our messy shared human experience. So with that thought of our common humanity, trying to connect with that same unconditional love that you felt for your friend. First of all, thinking of the people right here on this call. And then expanding out, even though we're not in geographic proximity, on the call, the next level you might like to think about are the people around you physically. Maybe you're in a house with people or your neighborhood or your city and just expanding out to your immediate surroundings, just thinking of all the beings that share your surroundings all going through all the emotions, all the complexity of the time that we're living in right now, sending them that same loving kindness, that wish that they be happy, that wish that they be free from suffering. And then gradually over the next few minutes, just making that circle of care and concern as wide as possible. In stages, thinking of more and more people to include. Might like to imagine a bright light going out from your heart if that helps you imagine that love going out. I think it's possible with training to feel that unconditional loving kindness for all beings. As we train, we can develop that agape, that metta for all living beings. 
taking a few moments to extend it outward. And then releasing the visualization and just coming back to your body and just taking a moment to feel into your body, feeling what sensations there are in your body as a result of that meditation, maybe some warmth in the chest, maybe some openness, just using the breath and coming back into the body, feeling whatever sensations that you might have. And anchoring with the breath. Thanks for listening. Learn more about this episode and browse our episode library by visiting unlockingtruehappiness.org. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Unlocking True Happiness is produced by Matthew DeVaris, intro by Russell Taylor, and our theme music is Nightingale by Asari. Stay safe out there. See you next time.